<clears throat> Welcome to the Gift of Long-Term Abstinence Workshop. Before we get started, we ask that you turn off all cell phones and electronic equipment. This session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker's release form before sharing. To protect anonymity, no photography, no photography, audio, and or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. My name is Iola. I am a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will now read the promises from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know a new peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will, we will see how our experience convinces others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in ourselves and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. The format for this meeting is as follows. Three speakers will share for 15 minutes each. Then, then an ask it basket will be circulated for a 15-minute question and answer session. We will then have open sharing as time allows. Once again, the topic of this workshop is gift of long-term abstinence. Our first speaker is Tricia. I'm Trisha Gannon, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, I'm really glad to be here today. Um, in more than one way, I'm glad to be here, and I'm also glad that um, that I'm here because of my disease. <laughs> um, I kind of wonder sometimes if I would be here um, if I hadn't found this program. Um, as far as numbers go, um, I've maintained an 85-pound weight loss for almost 12 years. My birthday is August 1st, so I, I just can't quite say 11 right now because it's only four weeks away. Um, um, I, I would have um, had 13 years if I didn't take a little vacation one year and uh, go out and do some more research. So the way my recovery has gone is um, I first came to Overeaters Anonymous. Well, I first started Overeaters Anonymous in Virginia and I don't know where I was, but I didn't get a clue about what was going on. I went to some meetings. To this day, I couldn't tell you what they talked about. I remember one meeting I went to, and they talked about um, eating out of the grocery bags on the way home from the store. And I was like, whoa, you know, um, I do that, you know, um, sticking my hand in there to see if it was potato chips or whatever. Um, um, but that was that, you know. I, I didn't. I stopped going to the meetings. I had... Um, 
a boundary conflict with one of the people that I had been working with. And uh, every time I went to a meeting, I saw this particular person, and, and it was uncomfortable for me, so I left. Um, and then I came to my next meeting ten years later. Um, so I'd like to say, too, to people, um, plant seeds with people. You don't ever know when these people are going to remember what, um, what you said to them. Um, to me, um, this is a progressive disease, but it's also a progressive recovery. Um, I remember the first time when I did the steps, I was so obsessed with compulsive. I did my four step and um, I think it took me a year to do it. I did it on the computer. I answered, I did the way the big book said to do it, then I moved on to the red book and answered all the questions there until I was like sick of hearing it myself. Um, then I got together with my sponsor and um, told her about it. And we were at the beach and she was like, oh. <laughs> I was kind of like sick of hearing it myself. But anyways, uh, but I did that because my idea was with recovery, I don't care what you say. I don't care if you do a step a week and you run through the steps and stuff. I'm not doing it that way because I'm going to do it thoroughly because I'm not doing this again. You know, um, when I first came into meetings, people would say, well, I'm here five years and I think, what's wrong with these people? You know, I'm here. I'm going to get this. and I'm out of here. You know, no way am I going to be here in five years. Well, here I am 12, 14 years later and very pleased to be here. Very pleased to be here. Um, so I say it's a progressive recovery because this disease doesn't go away. It doesn't go away, but things get better and better all the time, as long as you work it, you know. And I have found that I can't be away from OA for very long. Um, sometimes I need more meetings than other times. Sometimes I need more internal work than other times. Sometimes I need more structure in my food, but I always need to be connected. Um, and I will always need to be that way. I was in a, a, a swimming aerobics class yesterday, and I, somebody said, well, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm going to the Overeaters Anonymous um, convention. They said, well, you don't look like you belong at Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, that's why I go, you know, um, because, you know, I'm a diet queen. I, I had done all the diets but, um, and did really well with them, but I, I couldn't keep it off. I couldn't keep it off. And um, now I say I don't have another diet in me. I honestly, if, if anything like looks like a diet to me, I'm like this, you know, because it's just like I live too much of my life with that. And I don't have to live that way anymore. Um, for me, long-term recovery, um, it seems to be that about every year some big issue comes up with me. Um, and it's, you know, our core issues are issues that we've had before, you know, but they just kind of come up and pop us in the face some more than others. And it seems to me that I'm kind of called by my higher power to kind of attack one of these each year. And this year, the one that um, came to me was the issue of abundance. Um, and I had this little book that I had um, somebody gave me 30 years ago, um, and it's been in the book ever since. Uh, never read, but it has this like 30 or 40 day program where you um, each day you said this, you know, little meditation to yourself and stuff. Um, so 
I listen to words from everywhere. I mean, I listen. If you say something, it might be a message from my higher power. I may read something. I may see a sign. You know, I really take that all in because that's how God gets to me. He doesn't come over and say, Fisha, you know, well, once in a while he does that. Um, but abundance was the issue this year. And so when I started to, like, kind of do these little meditations, it just raised all my issues again, you know. And um, I was going kind of crazy. But what I've learned as far as, um, for me, what I do is I work the steps. I work the steps on, like, a different theme each time. So this year it was abundance. And by the time I got to the seventh step and said the seventh step prayer, I was just absolutely amazed that so many of these feelings that I had had for a long time were just lifted. They just were lifted, you know. Last year, I was called to deal with the issue of intimacy, you know. And believe me, I was really afraid to do this, but I did the same thing. I just worked the steps. I worked, you know, I kept going down, writing and working the steps for as long as it took. And when you get down to that seventh step prayer and you get the blessing from your higher power, it's just absolutely a miracle. And what I say is that, you know, every pound that I've shed has an issue tied to it. You know, um, I really needed, you know, emotional and spiritual recovery, you know, when I came in here. I didn't think that, you know. Um, I thought, you know, it was a diet club. And but, but the other thing I thought is that the reason I came to start out with the first time or the second time was that I was living with some girlfriends and they, they were in AA and they were always leaving me home. You know, they'd go to these meetings, and, and they were just getting better. I mean, they were getting easier to live with and all these kind of things. And, and I just thought, well, I like to go somewhere, but, you know, alcohol isn't my thing. So I just looked in the mirror and said, guess where you should go, you know. <laughs> and, and I came here. Um, so long-term recovery now, it gets easier all the time. It, it is not easy. And this program is not easy, and this program is not for wimps, you know. Um, but it does get easier because the way I am now is a, a, the way I live my life. It's it's solid, you know, and there's things that I can be flexible with, and there's things that I don't be flexible with. You know, I've learned to, um, to quote a saying, is I've learned to be in the world but not of the world. In other words, um, I don't let people um, entice me or force me into eating meals at times that I don't want to eat. Um, I don't eat recreational food. I haven't eaten sugar for years, refined sugar. Um, and I, I don't feel deprived. You know, I just feel that this is what I do. And um, people around me kind of get to the point where they get it too. Well, just for me, like if I'm in the office, well, you know, most people in the workplace is food all over the place. And, Every every little thing has oh, so precious, you know. Or people have candy dishes on their on their um, table, or it's stressful. People are around. Where's chocolate? Where's chocolate? You know. And um, people know. People know my now that I don't do that, you know, and I don't need to do that. And that's not something that you know. There was years that it was hard, but I did it anyways, and it just kept getting less and less. And each time I worked the steps on one of these big issues. What happens is I shed something. I shed something off of my, you know, my body, my soul that um, needed to be shed. And, and I feel lighter. 
And that's, for me, I, I feel lighter, and I like that. Um, I have kind of like a ritual that I do when, um, when, when that happens to me. I always feel this desire to go around my house and pack up excess things and take them to the goodwill, you know. And it's just something that, um, it, it's just something I have to do at that time. It's like, okay, if I am lighter, my surroundings need to be lighter. Um, and this is a gift. This is a gift. Um, one of the other things that, that is just wonderful to me, I say OA is my functional family. You know, I think, you know, many of us came from what we call dysfunctional families. Um, but I have family all over the place um, because um, when I travel, before I travel, I check out the meetings in the area. I bring myself a list of meetings and, um, and I go to the meetings, you know, and one time I went to um, a professional conference up in um, Washington, D.C., and I checked out where the meetings were, and I heard this meeting was supposed to be really good at 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, and I had to take, like, the metro to get there and all that kind of stuff. But I did it, and it turned out that there was a lady there, and, like, she was going to the same conference, and she said, you know, I'm really worried. She said, can I bring my food to you? Can we touch face with each other? And I'm still friends with that lady now. I call it like a cousin, you know, my cousin in Washington. Um, I also um, had a story about um, a, a meeting I went to in Virginia. Um, I went to visit my daughter, and it was a very um, uh, difficult. <laughs> Both of us were very upset. And um, I went to a meeting. And as I went into this meeting, I had never seen these people before. But I started crying and told my story. And there was another woman there that started crying and told her story. Well, guess what? I was the mother and she was the daughter. So she heard from me where I was coming from. I heard from her where my daughter was coming from. And it was a tremendous healing that went on. I was able to go home and to be different in the situation, you know, and that's what this family gives me. Um, I have more friends in this program than, you know, I can imagine, you know. Um, they say stick with the winners, and um, I think I'm a winner now, you know. Um, recently I was going to, um, you know, planning on moving, and everybody that, that uh, saw me said, I don't want you to move, you know. And I thought, that's pretty nice. You know, that's pretty nice. So I find with long-term recovery um, a piece, and I find that the, um, not all the time, but I find that I can get through things um, much quicker than I could before. I can get through things without, you know, sometimes I have comfort food. I'm not going to say I don't do that, you know, when I'm going through stressful things. But I have people to walk through things with me. Um, I have um, what I call busted illusions um, because um, I have all these thoughts in my head about how it is or how it was. And, you know, one particular time when I was called to do these steps another year, it was all about letting go of illusions and, like, really looking at reality. And, and I would do all this writing and I would get to the point and say, oh, my God, like, for 30, 40 years I, I believe this and it's not even true, you know. Um, but it takes work. You know, the program takes work, and, it, and um, I don't need to go to as many meetings. 
Um, I don't need to worry as much about my food, but sometimes I do, and that's when I know that I need to get to more meetings. I need to talk to more people. Um, and this is this is my family, you know. I just love um, the people that um, are in this program. I love being with them. You know, you can kind of have a soul-to-soul connection with somebody so quickly in this program, and that is just one of the biggest gifts that... Um, that I've ever got from um, any of my friends is really to just be able to talk on that level. So um, just summing up, I was um, listening to what Carol said the other night about 10 years. (laughs) And um, I was thinking about that. And it's like, you know, um, in in the last two years have been different. You know, it's not... As much as of a struggle, you know, um, there I just have an easierness about me, a more comfortableness. I can like flow and be flexible more than I used to, and I don't have to be right, and I don't have to get revenge. I don't have to do all those things that were important to me before for whatever reason. But it just comes, so just keep coming back and keep working the program. Um, it, because it's not a diet, you know, it's a way of life, and a lot of us learn to live life on different terms. And for me, it's like going back. I came in as a screeching, defiant two-year-old, and now I'm 12. I think I'm like kind of young, intimate now, so maybe I might be like 20, you know. But it took that long to get there. Um, And you just have to give yourself the gift of staying here so that you can get there too. Our second speaker is Maxine. Hi, I'm Maxine, possible over Eda. I've been in the program since 1977, 30 years. And um, I have to tell you, the only reason why I came I lost 45 pounds and kept it off, and I figured after I lose the weight, goodbye, Maxine, you won't see me anymore. But this has been the best time of my life. My life has really changed. I became not a child anymore. I became mature. Um, now I have to color my hair all the time. I'm not... A, I don't have brown hair anymore. I have blonde hair. Now I have some wrinkles that I didn't have 30 years ago. I've been very fortunate. I get to tell you, I wish I was not a compulsive overeater. I got to tell you, I hate it. I do not eat like a normal person. Food is very important to me. And also, I enjoy my food. I'll tell you a little bit about myself before I came to OA. Um, I have three sisters, and my middle sister brought me into OA. She is a compulsive overeater, and she brought me into program. I was always able to lose weight. That wasn't hard. That's easy. Just keep the weight off. That's the secret. I have three daughters, mature daughters, so they're supposed to be. And 
this is a disease that I inherited. And um, I had a husband, and I became a widow in 1988. It seems like it's been forever. And he was not a compulsive overeater. And he always used to say to me, why don't you have willpower? How can you have willpower? I was always on a diet. And he would say to me, how much weight did you lose, Maxine? And I'd say, 10 pounds. And maybe I lost 2 pounds. I wanted to go to sleep and wake up thin. I don't know how you do that. Thank God the scale does not run my life. I used to go on the scale three, four, five times a day. I used to move the scale and the rug on the floor, get half the body on, try to do that. It was awful. I have three daughters, and every time I, I became pregnant and I'd lose the weight, it would go up 10 pounds. It kept on going up. I looked in the mirror, and I felt as though I weighed 200 pounds, but I didn't. I wanted to bring my pictures. Guess what? I can't find them. I cannot find the pictures. The excuse is, you never took a good picture. I can't find the pictures. I can bring you thin pictures. I can bring you pictures when I first came into OA. Um, when I first came to OA, steps was very, very important. And I, lived, I came from Massachusetts, and I moved to California in 1979. And I went in the step group, and it was by two men that were alcoholics. And we went through the steps for one whole year. And we used to meet once a week, and we would have reading and writing assignments, which you know. When it came to the fourth step, you had to write it. And if you didn't finish it in four weeks, they threw you out. And there was one gentleman that didn't want to write it and give it away. He could not stay in the A wall. And that's when I first did my steps. God has been wonderful. When I came into OA, I didn't have God. I was very angry because my parents died. It was God's fault and everything. This has been a wonderful program. I don't know why I've been so lucky. Abstinence has not been hard for me. I was, my eating habits have changed. Ten years ago, I finally went on a cruise. I went to Alaska. I went for seven days, and I lost eight pounds. I lost eight pounds. Well, I inherited diabetes. I was drinking water all the time. I do not eat sugar. I never ate sugar. I was having a taste of this gooey thing and that gooey thing. When I came back, I found out that I had diabetes. And I always said, OA people are crazy. I'm crazy, but they're worse. They always weighed and measured their food. They're nuts. I will never do that. Guess what? The doctor said, you must weigh and measure your food. I don't measure my food when I go in a restaurant. I prefer not to. I can even go to a buffet. But I do weigh and measure my food. 
what works for me, I more or less eat the same way all the time. I enjoy my food. Um, in 1990, I had to go out to work, and I work in retail. I offer the people that I work with, and they know I go to OA, and I'm very proud of it. I offer them my food. I want to kill them. I want to kill them, even if they want a piece of my fruit. And they say, oh, here comes Maxine. Here she comes with her fancy little, 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 dessert, little covers. What does she have in here? She has salad. She has protein. Look at how small they are. And I say, well, I'm a compulsive overeater. They look at me. You're not a compulsive overeater. I have, I have daughters that they, after 30 years, they give me a hard time. You should not go to OA. You're thin. You're only going with people that are fat. You shouldn't be going. You're not a compulsive overeater. You can't put on a pound. This is what I get. But I don't pay attention to them. I found it's very important to go through the steps, and especially to do your fourth step. We're not perfect. I, I was not perfect with my children. I did the best I knew how. I apologize to them what I did. I apologize. I feel as though if you want to be a winner, you must do your steps, and you must give it away. Get rid of the garbage. Get rid of it. Get rid of the garbage, you know? We're not perfect. Who wants to be perfect? My husband, poor, poor soul, he died. He thought he was perfect, but he wasn't. He wasn't. And this is the only thing that ever worked. God is wonderful. Meetings are wonderful, especially it doesn't cost. If you want to put money in the basket, you put money in the basket. And this is where I get my medicine. This is where I hear things that some days later and I said, huh, Maxine, you did that. I associate with these people. I associate with the people. And you know what? This is a wonderful thing. I made so many wonderful friends. My dear friend Donna has passed away. And every year she would give me my token. And I moved to California in 79. And every year she would give me the token. And she used to write a poem for me. But unfortunately she passed away the past year. And I've met so many wonderful people that I never would have known. I, I, I sponsor people. One of my friends. We, we traveled together to like to OA conventions to LA and everything. And, um, she's only maybe 40 years old. She's in New York. So she, she did not come now. And I sponsored such wonderful people. I used to sponsor a man that, um, he had to go to work at 6.30 in the morning. I used to set the alarm so I could talk to him. But, you know, I felt as though people sponsored me and I have to give it away. I have to give it away. And my sister always lived around the corner for me. And when I first came to OA, I was very jealous of her. I mean, she never had any time for me. She used to be on the telephone. She used to keep her food on the refrigerator. And I'd hear her say, um, they would say, Harriet, I'm having this for breakfast. Harriet, I'm having this for lunch. Harriet, I'm having this for dinner. I said, what's the matter with these people? They have to tell you what they're eating. And she used to say to me, Maxine, you're not happy. I said, but you tell me you eat three meals a day. Don't eat in between. She said, Maxine, try it. She says, you're miserable anyways. Try it. Try it. What's going to happen? And I, um, 
When I'm with people, they say to me, you eat like a bird. When I go to my daughter, I like to take my own food because she doesn't give me when I, as much. She gives me too much. What I do, I only have two ounces of protein at lunch and three ounces in the nighttime. But unfortunately, when you go to a restaurant, you usually eat a little more. And when I, when I go, like, on, I go, I love it. I love the afternoon meeting on Friday night in San Diego in the Oasis. We used to go out all the time. I used to love to go out to eat because there was so much food. I worked on Saturday. I had food for the next day. I always took home food from the restaurant. But you can't do this when you go to a gourmet restaurant. And, you know, this is such a wonderful program. I met such wonderful people, and I've learned so much. I've learned so much. And um, without you people, I never could do it. I had to go to work, and I was very fortunate. I was able to buy a condominium all on my own. And um, I never worked. And so, unfortunately, my husband passed away and everything. And um, if I would be overeating, I couldn't cope. And I feel as though one day at a time. Every day is not such a wonderful time. It just isn't. I've, I've had some health problems. Finn is not well. I take insulin now, and um, I, I eat three meals a day. And um, if I don't eat enough, guess what? The sugar shoots low. I get shaky and everything. I have to carry the pills with me because, you know, Finn is not well. And I only came in here to lose the weight. I can't believe it's 30 years. I don't know where the time has come. I mean, my kids got married. I became, I have grand, four grandchildren. Um, I inherited two. I'm a, can you imagine? I got two grandchildren. Something, my grand, my great grandchild's going to be three years old. My husband, my son-in-law was married twice. So I have grandchildren from his first marriage. So someday I got a birthday party. She was two pounds, three ounces, and she's going to be three years old now. I can't believe it. There are such wonderful things, such wonderful things. And, you know, I've got to say one day at a time. It could be worse, and, you know, it could be better. You know, um, this is just a wonderful program, and I wish I could give abstinence to everybody. But you can't, but you have to do you have to do the footwork. And sponsoring is wonderful. You help other people. They help you. And you learn so much from your sponsorees. It's, it's just unbelievable. And meetings are wonderful. And there's always different meetings that you can go to. And you know what? Now, when I go once a year to Massachusetts, I go to Regions 4 Convention with my sister. And now I don't have to, before I'm going away, I don't have to go on a diet. What clothes am I going to wear? They still fit. They still fit. I'm going on a cruise in November, please, God. And I don't have to worry about the clothes. Some of the clothes haven't gone out of style. I still can wear things that I wore 10 years ago. I never could do that. I never could do that. You know, it's just a wonderful program, and God has been good. And met such wonderful people. And the meetings are wonderful. This is where I get my medicine, and this is where we learn. And I want to thank you all. Our third speaker is Sherry.
I'm Sherry. I'm a compulsive reader. It's really nice to be here this afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, I would not have qualified to speak at this meeting when uh, I, in the early part of my coming to OA, because the name of this session is the gift of recovery. And it's amazing how sick I was when I got here and almost completely incapacitated by my compulsive overeating. Yet, after getting absent, after being in the program for about six months or so, I all of a sudden was entire ego. And I thought that I was doing it, and I couldn't understand why other people couldn't get absent. <laughs> and I didn't understand that it was a gift. I thought it was an accomplishment. I thought it was something that I had done. And it has taken time and, I hope, a little bit of maturity for me to realize that this is something that is a blessing that comes as a result of this program and working the steps and using the tools. And um, the only thing that I do now differently than what I did in the very beginning is I don't weigh and measure anymore. And um, I did for 10 years. Um, and after that point, I found like that I could um, sit down and have a normal meal without eating to the point of being just so incredibly full. Because when I first came in here, I, I was doing truck driver meals, and um, and um, that too was removed to where I could actually sit down and eat a normal meal. And um, as far as everything else, I do exactly what I did when I first came into this program. And um, just to tell you a little bit about what happened for me or what my story was like um, before I came here, um, I think I was a compulsive overeater since I was a really, really little girl. My grandmother um, had a farmhouse and all my cousins and all my aunts and uncles, we went there every weekend. And um, my grandmother was extremely heavy and she would make 10 pies, I'm not kidding you, 10 main dishes and all of her main dishes had sugar in them. So it was sort of like your main course was dessert and then you got to have dessert. And I loved it. <laughs> it was perfect for me. And no matter where you sat in her house, there was always a candy bowl within reach, at least one, more than one. And it wasn't until a few years ago that my mom told me that, um, that after my grandma passed, they found all the candy wrappers and all the candy that she had stuffed into all of the sofa cushions and the chair cushions. And so I think I come by this disease honestly, um, genetically in my family. Um, and so, you know, I, my mom is a thin, slender, uh, small-boned woman, and I inherited her frame. And I literally binged my guts out the whole time that I was growing up when I was little, and I never gained a pound, ever. And I'm a little bit on the hyperactive side. <laughs> I burned through food pretty quick. And, um, but when I went to college, I lived in a dorm where they served gluck, gluck, and gluck. And that was all they served was uh, starch and fat, and there was an all-you-could-eat dessert. And when I was in college and I was about 18, that was when I started putting weight on. And I've gained and lost 600 pounds in the 10 years that I was actively um, compulsive overeating, and I did that 20 to 30 pounds at a time. I would gain 20 to 30 pounds uh, two to three times a year, and then I would diet it off, starve it off, exercise it off. I can remember being in my dorm on the exercise bike just at when I was at about, you know, the 30-pound mark where I just would get so consumed with self-hatred that I would say, that's it. I'm taking it off. And I would be on the exercise bike just thinking, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself. And that was how I lived for 10 years. And when I was 26, um, someone introduced me to the idea of Overeaters Anonymous, and I thought it was as if they had said, why don't you just fly to the moon? I thought, you're crazy. You know, I am not going to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and then the disease beat me into submission, which I guess is what it does for a lot of us. It just beat me down. 
And um, I went through college eating compulsively. I went to graduate school eating compulsively. I went to some exams when I was in graduate school where I was so stoned on sugar, my hands were shaking. I could hardly manage the pencil to fill out the test. Um, I can remember walking across the, the college campus and being so stoned on sugar. It was in the middle of summer. I was in summer school. I literally had to lay down under a tree and sleep. Um, so, you know, for me, I was never... Um, I was never a moderate eater. I was always a binge eater, and I can remember toward the end, right before I came into the program, I can remember I would think to myself in the middle of a binge, I'm going to have to stop sometime, because how do you live a life like that? You know, I knew I wouldn't be able to live my life like that. I would never be able to have any sort of normal function. I mean, I could function in college, because it's like I could go to school, and I could do the work, and I could take the test, and I could get the grade. And I was very nervous about getting out of school because how do you go to a job, you know, when I was binging all the time? I could go to class and binge, you know, and then I could go to another class and binge. And then, you know, it's just, and so anyway, um, I did get a job after I got out of college and I was binging all the way. I would sit in my little cubicle and I would do my computer programming and it was just one trip to the uh, vending machine after another. And, um, that was when I was introduced to Overeaters Anonymous. And I have to say, for me, recovery began when the pain of doing what I was doing finally became greater than the pain of the idea of stopping. And I just, I just knew I could not go on for another moment, and I jumped into the program headfirst. And I was blessed, and this is where the gift begins, because I was blessed, A, with a sponsor, who um, she absolutely nailed me on abstinence. She, I would call her and I would start saying, oh, it worked, blah, 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 and oh, this person, blah, 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 and oh, my family, there's a little, and she would say, are you abstinent today? Are you abstinent now? Are you abstinent this moment? Will you be absent the rest of today? And that was when I started getting it, that that's why I'm here, because I don't want to suffer the pain of my illness, and the pain of my illness is the idea of destroying myself with food. Um, and so she beat that into my head, and she was what I have learned to call, um, I call it loving discipline. There was a lot of discipline. There was a lot of structure. Um, and she was very, very kind and loving about it. I also found a home group. This was in Michigan, and it was the Back to Basics Abstinence Home Group. And um, they just beat it into our heads as a newcomer that the sole purpose, the primary purpose was to maintain my own abstinence and to help others to achieve, achieve abstinence. We had a yearly retreat that I started going to every year. In the last couple of years I lived in Michigan, I chaired the retreat and did service for that retreat. And it was a step retreat. And the whole retreat was structured around the steps. The first night we did step one, we had a speaker. The next day we did step two through nine. Throughout the course of the day we had speakers. There was even a, an hour workshop where we could do our, um, our, our fourth step in that, in that um, weekend. And then Sunday was the spiritual steps. And um, so everything about, for me, everything about OA just was all about abstinence first. And that was so important for me because I'm not the kind of compulsive eater. Some people come here and are able to get into the spiritual part of the program. They're able to tap into the spiritual connection. And then they're able to get absent. And it just was not how it was going to work for me because I abused food to such a huge extent and my body reacts to sugar and carbs so strongly that I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to sit down. How are you going to sit down and 
you know, write a letter to God when you're handshaking because you're so stoned on eating, you know, a gallon of ice cream. There's just no way. So I had to get abstinent um, to get some clarity of mind. And I'll tell you, I think of my recovery in chapters. Um, the first chapter was just absolutely hardcore white-knuckle abstinent. I mean, it was just, I finally made a little thing for myself. I still have it. And it was a little picture of an angel. I put it in a nice picture frame, and it said, please, God, help my head to hit the pillow abstinent tonight. And that's what one day at a time became for me. And I did. I took it absolutely one day at a time because every minute of every day I wanted to binge for a year. And maybe I wasn't working the program right. I don't know what. But I know I had to go through that to treasure my abstinence and to realize that if it was that hard that first year, oh, my God, what would it be like to have to try to get that back again? I don't ever want to have to try to do that again. It was (laughs) excruciating. Um, You know, after the first year um, it got a little bit easier but in the first I'd say the first five years God must have looked at me and said you know she's she's not going to be able to handle much more than what she's got on her plate right now and I really didn't have a whole lot of life I had a job and program was my life and I went to a lot a lot a lot of meetings I was very very active in my program in Michigan um, and it was pretty much just you know kind of taking care of the basics and working my program and then the next 10 years of, um, of my recovery, I got to really start enjoying life. I started understanding why it says in AA 12 and 12, why, is it, why does it start out saying the joy of living? All of a sudden, absence had become so ingrained in me and so much a part of how I was living that I was able to um, travel a lot with my job. And, um, God, I just did so many fun things. And during that time, I relocated to Michigan. I'm relocated from Michigan to California. And um, so that was like the next 10 years. Um, And uh, I didn't mention, but I came into the program in August of 1988 and became abstinent in uh, April of 1989. And now the last five years have been, you know, dealing with um, more challenging parts of life that I think some people have to deal with when they first come in here. My sister's been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, I lost uh, a very dear family member a year and a half ago. I had a very serious surgery myself, which fortunately the prognosis turned out to be very positive. Um, After that time, my uh, doctor slam dunked me into a new food plan to arrest the condition, the illness that I had the surgery for. And, um, you know, for the last year and a half, it it just has not been working. I'm underweight. I don't feel good. So I'm in the process of working with my my doctor to find uh, a food plan that will treat the condition and at the same time allow me to put on some weight, which I need to do. People come in here and talk about releasing some weight. I need to, you know, reclaim some weight for myself um, to feel better and just feel good about myself. So I have confidence that I can work with her and that she'll, my doctor will guide me in that direction. So um, I feel like there's a lot that I didn't say. I'm sorry. I guess I was really nervous when I first got up here. Um, But one thing that I know for sure is that I do not want to go back and have to do it over again. I just don't. It was, just, it was so hard, and I don't know whether I'd be able to get back again. So um, for me, I have to just put this program first in every area of my life. And um, when I was a little girl, I don't know if you ever, if you remember these, but there were these little paint-by-number pictures, and they were cats. And they had these huge eyes. Do you remember those? It must have been like 1970s or something like that. And I would paint them by number with these little oil paints. And he would start out with this blank page with just all these, you know, black lines and little numbers for the color that was supposed to go in each spot. And I loved it as as I was a little girl because I think growing up in an alcoholic home, that's how I felt my life was, just all these fragmented blank spaces. 
And for me, what OA has done is it's given me that paintbrush and it's showed me what number to put in what little spot. And the picture that has come together is just so beautiful. And um, some of the things that I'm dealing with right now with my sister's illness and some other things, my dad was just visiting for five days, so I'm kind of emotional. <laughs> um, and just the whole topic of family, it's all so precious, you know. And without this program, I wouldn't have any of it. I don't even know if I would be here because the way that I abused food damaged certain organs to such an extent that I'm not sure, you know, from 1989 until now, 18 years later, would my body even still be functioning? It's hard to say. So um, I'm very, very grateful. Um, I so appreciate the kindness and the patience of this program. And um, I, you know, without the tools and without the steps and without the meetings, I would be forever lost. And because of all the resources that are here and because of, you know, just jumping in head first and, um, and just continuing to work them and just don't stop. I heard an old timer say, um, give your problem to God and don't take it back. And that's just my, my goal on an ongoing basis to just keep giving it to you guys and keep giving it to OA and keep it giving it to God as I understand him and just do not take it back. Leave it, leave it where it's supposed to be. Thank you. We will not have the speakers share, we will not have speakers respond to questions from the Ask It Basket for 15 minutes. I need to find the Ask It Basket. Denise, will you let me know when I'm um, 15, well, like, when I have one minute to go on the 15 minutes? Okay. There's not very many questions here, so we'll let the Ask It Basket continue around, and I'll be looking forward to getting a few minutes. First one says, thank you all for your share. I appreciate it. The second one says, no one spoke of relapse. Did anyone come to program and lose abstinence over and over before the long term began? I'm Trisha Compulsive Overeater. Um, I didn't lose abstinence over and over again. Um, when I first came to OA, I had no intention of being abstinent, um, but I wanted to be part of the club. And so um, I figured this was kind of what you had to do to be part of the club, because I thought this was a pretty neat club. And um, so I didn't have a sponsor, and I did this white-knuckle abstinence. Um, it was awful. Um, it was a time that I had a couple months off of work, and I used to just 
you know, eat dinner at four o'clock and think I was going to die. But I did, I was able to do this, you know, without working the steps, without working with a sponsor for a year and four months. And then, um, well, I, I was flipping before that, but I would always say like, oh, well, you know, that slip was just a late dessert from lunch. Um, or, um, But one night, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and my boyfriend and I were sitting in the living room eating um, cherry pie. And uh, I thought, well, where do I put this? I think I broke my abstinence. Um, and then I actually went away from the program. You know, I, I came to the program periodically and waited for you to put this white thing out for me to walk in and all be glad to see me and stuff and that didn't happen so I'd go away with my head between my legs for another few months and come back and actually when I came back it started this recovery that I have now was at this convention because the lady who used to be my sponsor she kind of fell off the stick and so then I didn't have her as a sponsor but we met each other someplace and she said come to this convention come on we'll just help out a little bit and I said meh so we did and then um, we heard a wonderful program. We heard a wonderful speaker. And then we said, okay, well, this, this other meeting on Thursday in Tierra Santa, uh, we're going to meet there. And I'm like, you know. But um, we went, you know, and then it started from there. And believe me, I don't ever want to go back to that white-knuckle stuff. I have had to do, the, have had to do white-knuckle stuff when I've had sugar. Um, and sometimes I get sugar when um, I don't know it periodically in something. Um, but that's the only relapse I had. I didn't have it over and over and over again. Although, you know, I think you have to be kind to yourself in this program, too, because, you know, I know some people that um, would say they broke their abstinence, which maybe I wouldn't say I broke my abstinence. You know, like some people have said, oh, I had um, a half a, a teaspoon of ice cream. That's it. I broke my abstinence, you know. Um, so I think you have to be realistic to this program. And that's what long-term abstinence and long-term recovery is about. It's about being realistic in the world and living, doing something that you can live with on a daily basis for the rest of your life. Next question is, how do you get through the dry spell? <laughs> I think I'm sometimes the queen of dry spells because I um I wish I could stay emotionally and spiritually connected to God all the time. Um, I'm thinking what you mean by dry spell, if I hear that right, is the times where things just don't seem to fit or things just seem hard or it's just not flowing. And for me, um, I kind of just try to get through it. And I just believe that God, as I understand him, it, her, whatever you want to call it, is going to reveal to me the way out. Because I've seen it time and time again over the years. Every time there's been something where I, I thought, I just do not see how this is going to work out. Every single time it has. And um, I have things going on like right now that are like that. I just can't imagine how a couple of situations are actually going to work out. But I know that they will. And for me, 
I think one of the keys, most, one of the most important things for me has been um, to really, um, I don't even know how to explain it, but like my stomach tells me when things aren't right because I get, you know, when I get keyed up about something or I have a really bad resentment, um, I'll either A, get a compulsion to eat something I shouldn't or to eat more than I need. Um, or I'll get a real anxious feeling in my stomach and I just feel nauseated. Like, I could just, I, and I was never a perjurer or anything. I never, ever went that route in the disease. But, you know, for me, um, a dry spell means there's something going on that just hasn't broken yet, you know. And I think of recovery as just, you know, sort of like this egg cracking and, you know, things just, you know, at some point it just has to break. You know, and for me, I just hang in there until I can get through it. And I just go to a lot of meetings. I call my sponsor. I just work the tools. And I just, you know, I wait for the lesson. Because there's a lesson in everything, whether it's a hard time or whether it's a dry spell. I mean, God, I wish it was just a string of miracles. <laughs> you know, and when I look back, I can say, oh, yeah, a lot of miraculous things have happened. But, you know, like it's already been shared for me. Sometimes work, life just feels like a lot of hard work sometimes. And granted, I mean, I have a lot of joy in my life, and I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I have a wonderful partner. He's very supportive and very kind. I have my own business, which I never would have been able to do if I if I weren't in recovery. But um, it just doesn't, maybe it's just where I'm at in my life in my 40s or whatever. My parents are aging. My, you know, family members are sick or whatever. I mean, it feels kind of like an achingly dry spell to me right now, and all I can say is I just keep doing the things that I know that work for me. And one of the most important things is to really stay connected with people and to open my heart to other people. Because when I open my heart to the people in this program and I let that love in, it just seems to just melt everything inside me. And then I can work through whatever I need to work through. And so, you know, for me, a lot of times it's picking up the phone and just calling someone. And it doesn't have to be my sponsor and it doesn't have to be somebody with you know, X number of years in the program or whatever, I just, you know, I mean, there are so many wonderful people and so many um, dear women friends that I have in this program that I'll just pick up the phone and I'll just say, I'm hurting, you know, or I'm bored or, you know, or I'm confused or whatever. And so um, for me, I just, you know, I just keep trying to reach out and I think, you know, asking the question is a way of reaching out and just knowing, you know, that it's going to break eventually, but hanging in there with, you know, for me to commitment to the program until it does. The next one says, thank you all. The next one says, please describe how in long-term recovery you have adjusted to the reality of constant change and powerlessness and abstinence. I've had a lot of changes and a lot of adjustments in recovery. Um, as I told you before, I, I, I had to go out to work. And if I was overeating and had such a poor image of myself, I would never be able to keep the job. And um, it, was, it, was, it was difficult. It was really difficult. And it was a challenge. 
and um, I work in sales. And at first I was in the women's department, and then they changed the commission. And then I went into the men's department, and I want to tell you it was very difficult because they never had a woman in the suit department before. And um, the men and the customers gave me a very hard time. Um, I could have gone home and cried, but cried in front of them, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't let that happen. I used to be proposition, and they would say to me, would you like to see me in my union suit? You know? And um, I was working three days, and I ran up to the managers of the store, and I said, I don't want to be there, and especially where I am, the experiment. I said to the men that I was working with, are you happy that I'm here? And they said to me, No. We're not happy that you're here. I said, see, they don't want me. So then the manager said, they don't want you because you're a challenge. You're a challenge. And they don't like that. Just try it. Let me tell you, it was very difficult. Especially the men, they didn't have a mind of their own. They either listened to the wives or listened to the girlfriends. And it was very difficult. It was very hard. And I, I've been I've been in the same company now for 17 years. I retired. I retired, and my adult children they wanted to run my life. They were going to tell me everything what to do. So I said, you know what? I'll go back to retail. I'll get paid. They'll be ha- they're happy to have me there. And I don't work nights anymore. And it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. And um, also, I, I am a survivor. I became very ill. Over a year ago, I got cancer. And I'm fine. I am fine. I had a couple of operations, and I, I go every three weeks for treatment, and the cancer is gone. And I am a very lucky person. And I say, you've got to enjoy each, each day. And um, it's all because of this program. And if I was stuffing the food down, I wouldn't be able to handle this. I wouldn't be able to handle this. And it's because of this program. And it's because I met so many wonderful people, younger people than me. And there's a few older people than me. And, you know, this is the only thing that ever worked. And it's been wonderful. And I thank you all. What have you noticed about four steps over the years? Are they done more on a deeper level, or is it different areas of life that come up? Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, what I was saying before is that I have different times in my life where um, different issues are. I have one minute. Oh, no, it's for me. Oh. <laughs> Where different issues are prominent. And, um, you know, I'm somebody that, like, represses things. And, you know, I had a lot of stuff from childhood that was repressed. And, um, you know, only a certain amount of that's going to come out at a time. I mean, it's too, um, it's too hard for your psyche to just kind of, like, open up and throw it all out. So I found that these things come out um, in my fourth step. And for me... 
I don't mind doing four steps anymore because I don't think I'm the dirt bag I used to think I was. Um, I'm just using them as a way of learning something about myself. And when I learn something about myself, then I get to the sixth step. And the sixth step, I'm like, well, you know, what am I doing this for? What, what are the gains, you know, that I'm getting from this? Um, and then I move on to the seventh, and it's gone, you know. I mean, I say that seven-step prayer, and I'm relieved. So, to me, I look forward to these things. Now, I'm not going to tell you these things are easy, you know. They're not. But, um, but I look forward to them because I always feel better after the process is over, you know. <laughs> um, but it does come again, and then it's a new opportunity to, to grow as a spiritual person and, you know, to um, get some of this stuff out. Okay. This is the um, last question, and then we'll do um, sharing from the audience. But, um, okay, last question. How does helping others help you keep long-term recovery? I think it's wonderful to be a sponsor and to sponsor other people. And um, I, I listen to the person and I try to know how to give them advice unless they should ask me. And um, I've met so many wonderful people. Um, now that we don't actually have food plans, um, they don't eat like I do. That's fine. If, if they don't want if they don't want to weigh the food, that's fine. I know some people, even today, if you do not weigh the food, they will not be your sponsor. I will not. I will not do that. I believe, and when and when I have other people sponsoring me, if they're not doing the program and if they're having a problem with food, I don't want them to sponsor me, and I would not sponsor somebody else because this. I believe this is an honest program. And I remember when I came in how people helped me. And what I, ha- what you, what I have, I want to give away. Because, I mean, I've been around for 30 years. I've never been able to do anything. Never. I never could do anything. Lose, lose weight, put back more weight, be a habitual liar all the time. I never want to be on a diet again. And I do not let the scale run my life. I have... High blood pressure. So every three months I have to be weighed and go for blood work. Do you know that I tell them, I don't want you to tell me what my weight is. If they tell me I put on a pound, I go crazy. I said, after you take my pressure, you can tell me how much I weigh. When my husband was alive and he used to have to have his pressure taken, he used to have to lay down. He used to have to lay down on the table before they could take his pressure. So, I mean, a lot of things that I did before still are instilled in my mind. And it's all because of this program. This program is to give away what you have. And it's just a wonderful program. You meet so many wonderful people that I, I wouldn't have met before. I wouldn't have friends. I wouldn't be traveling with them and everything. It's just wonderful. Thank you. We will, now have, we will now have three minute shares. Please focus on the topic of the gift of long-term recovery. 
and finish your share by the end of three minutes. You must find a tape release form before sharing. The tape release form is right here on the podium. Denise will let you know when your three minutes is almost up. Okay? So um, we're going to do it um, playing tag. So whoever's up here sharing, they get to choose who's next from the audience. And um, who would like to go first? Hi, I'm Mickey. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I will. I know the drill. I know the drill. I've been here before. Uh, Long-term recovery. What a great concept. I am happy to report to you that as of November 11th of, I guess it was last year. Wow. Anyhow, as of November 11th last year, I had 19 years of abstinence. And, you know, they say that's a God thing. i got to tell you, a lot of it is a white-knuckle thing, you know. And it's being willing to be uncomfortable or be miserable or, as the big book says, restless, irritable, and discontented. And uh, I've been down that road. I had 16 years of OA 301 abstinence. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's three meals a day with nothing in between one day at a time. And then... Three and a half years ago, I treated myself to a week in an eating disorder treatment facility. And there I learned a whole new abstinence. I learned that the way I was eating was chemically imbalanced for me. And that what I needed to do was to remove certain food products from my food plan. And to learn to go back like to the old gray sheet days of OA but not quite, but similar, and that was to be sugar, flour, and wheat-free. In addition, I gave up caffeine. I gave up my favorite snacky foods of dried fruit because they were so high in sugar. I used to love soup plantation because I would bury my salad with raisins and uh, never thought that that was you know, high sugar. I just thought, well, raisins are high in iron, and iron is good for you, so raisins are okay. But then I, I just learned this whole new way of life. And with that, I, after many years of not having a sponsor, I got a sponsor because in the eating disorder place they said, you cannot leave here until you get a sponsor. And I was homesick, so I got a sponsor. Anyhow, I still have that same sponsor. I weigh and measure and I commit my food. But the nice thing is that in addition to removing the cravings for those foods which are really not in my best interest. You know, I no longer have those cravings. But in addition, it's given me a freedom around food that I never had before. I am now free of the fear of food. And I used to be very frightened of food. I wouldn't want to travel anywhere. Uh, I wouldn't want to go to family events, weddings, bar mitzvahs, whatever, because I was so afraid of the food. 
and now I can go anywhere. And now we go on cruises, and I used to take my scale with, and I was so pleased to find out that the cruise provides me with portion control because every baked potato weighs eight ounces. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. And every piece of chicken weighs four ounces. I don't know if somebody's in their kitchen weighing this stuff out for me, but that's just how it works. So now I no longer even have to take my scale with because I'm safe wherever I go. And I wish you all happy long-term abstinence. Thank you. My name is Cass. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Cass. Hello. Get that out of the way. I'm highly distractible. <laughs> Thank you so much for your shares, all of you. Um, um, I just love, I, I think this is just the most amazing gift, this program, because I get to show up and um, I'm in my 12 plus years of abstinence and I just love hearing where people are because um, I, I think it's the most amazing gift to show up and get to hear other people who have walked the walk and have a resource base where I can ask almost anybody who most likely has gone through whatever I'm going through or similar to it, how do you do it abstinently? Um, because for me, the answer now is like abstinence has given me uh, the mostly, I think, the opportunity to, to be in the moment, you know, to be here now. And I never had that opportunity before when I was into, you know, it's either way ahead of, of in fear or way behind in regret, and I was never in the moment. I just wanted to keep taking the edge off, just to not be there. And so the gift of abstinence is that it brings me here. And now I'm, uh, I'm just in this period of, I've heard people share from like 10 to 15 years, like you're in your, the different things are happening at different times, you know, and I'm just, I'm in the time of a lot of constant change going on. And, um, and I'm just very humbled. It's very, I'm very, it's humbling. And um, um, that's a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a good thing I've heard of speakers today just talk about not having to know. You know, it's like, I don't know. But um, showing up and listening and learning from, you know, people who walked ahead of me and that um, there is, I, I guess the thing for me, you know, this is like, some, I, I listened to a speaker a long time ago and she's like, if you stay with me at the end, I'm going to reveal the secret, you know, of my <laughs> and it's just hysterical because like there, there's no secret here, you know, it's about doing the do. The secret is, you know, like doing exactly how it's laid out in the big book about Cousin Moms in the steps and like that's the do today and, and it's, I don't know, it's just very humbling. It's good to know that, you know, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be in um, showing up and, and, you know, walking the walk with my fellows, with the sponsor, with sponsees, and um, and uh, staying present, you know. And I love what I heard about just staying. It's like I think there's the expression of, like, the egg and just letting things will crack open, you know. And it's like that to me is that, that going inside and that stillness of, you know, be still and know that I do have a higher power and that it's about a lot of times it's about waiting. You know, it's about being still and waiting to, you know, because my disease wants me to get moving and just get moving, figure out an action plan and get moving. And for me, like, that doesn't serve me now in abstinence. You know, it's like, so I get, I love to hear other people's experience. And um, I'm just really grateful to, to have a place to grow up, you know, with other people who are just here to keep growing 
and, and showing up and, and being in the reality of life. You know, it's like this program doesn't teach us necessarily how to eat. It teaches us how to, how to do life, you know, and I'm really grateful. Thanks. Hi, my name is Marsha. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict. Oh, thank you, all of you. You know, I was really, I've told a few people, I was really torn about which of the three workshops to go to this afternoon because I was a relapser. I one time had about 10 years of abstinence and then I lost it. I was out there eating and in real pain and misery for about 12 years. Then, um, then I came back, and I'm just only about about three years. I'm at three years now, and uh, definitely not what I would consider long-term abstinence. But what I wanted to hear was about long-term abstinence, because you all have what I want. And um, then there was this other workshop, Living the Promises, and or the Promises. I'm not exactly sure of the name of it, but when I hear long-term abstinence and hear the piece that I heard today, from all the people who've shared in all the different workshops. I hear a lot of peace and serenity, and that is what I expect to get from long-term abstinence. And it's starting to happen. Um, I've been through two fourth steps in these three years, and this last one was just absolutely incredible. I went, for the first time, I went really beyond the fourth step and the fifth step and the actions of giving it away to finding out some real truths about myself and finding out the things that I need to ask the God of my understanding to remove, which I've done. And it's a whole new spiritual place that I'm at. And, um, you know, that's what I want and that's what I'm here for. And along with abstinence, which is just the most important thing in my life. And I used to just say that, oh, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. But when you come back from relapse, you have to really um, take that to a place of really putting recovery first. And um, it's been a, I'm just, I was thrilled to come back and I never want to leave. And I hope that someday, 15 years from now, that I have what all of you do because it, everyone I've heard just reflects what I want. Thanks. My name is Ida. I'm a compulsive reader. I wasn't going to because I, I had the privilege of being on a panel earlier today. Uh, but um, nobody else did, and I can't stand a vacuum. Um, I've been abstaining for 32 years, and it goes back to this 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 thing of you know how do you become a long timer? You don't eat and you don't die, and that's how you become a long timer. And I just love it, and it, it makes me smile every time I hear about it, you know. But in essence, that's what it was. I was thinking about. Um, 
I think the reason that I've become a long-timer is that I absolutely know that I am a compulsive reader, period, and that it will not go away. And that I am, I have an abnormal relationship with food. You know, I remember asking the lady who 12-tipped me, after Dear Abby 12-tipped me, about, uh, I asked her if her, great obs- if her obsession had ever been, re- you know, removed. And she said that her great obsession had been removed. And I didn't know what the great obsession was because I hadn't really looked at the big book much. And, you know, she tells in Chapter 3, our great obsession is that one day we'll be, we will be able to enjoy and control our eating. You know, that one day we'll be, we would be normal. That's our great obsession. And my great obsession is, abs- is absolutely gone. I've... Uh, I'm on the same food plan that I've had from the beginning. Things have really changed over the years. Uh, <laughs> about six years ago, I was diagnosed with um, chronic hives, and I've had hives continuously for six years now. And so I, I can't eat certain things, and I can't take certain medications and so forth. But when I went to see the, um, the allergist, she decided to um, do a food thing. So she took all of these foods away from me in one filled swoop, and I just about choked. And one of them was pineapple. Pineapple? And I said, you mean I can't eat pineapple? And she looked at me, and she said, you know, I've never had anybody react to having pineapple taken away from her like you just did. You see, so she confirmed for me one more time that my reaction to food is not normal, even for an allergist who's probably seen a lot. Was it six years ago, I was arguing with worms over my breakfast cereal, whether to eat the, the cereal that had worms on the package, not in the bag, but on the package inside the box, you know? And I'm and when I packed up, and I thought, well, if I don't tell John, my husband, I can go ahead and eat the, eat the cereal. You know, the worms won't be in it. And when I finally came to my senses and took the cereal back to the man in the store, and he took a look, and by the way, all four boxes I opened that morning had worms. Um, he, he opened one box, went, oh, my God, shut it and put it away. And he reminded me one more time that I am not normal when it comes to this, because this man is not going to argue with worms over cereal. And I need these. I have these reminders all the time, and I've got other stories that I could tell you, but time is up. So, you know, just sustain and don't die, and you can be on a long time panel. Thank you. It is now time to close the meeting. Let's thank our speakers, everyone who shared, and our timer. Those who care to, please stand and join hands as we close with, I put my hand in yours.